0: Welcome to the Sunday Monday Show, a podcast about being bold in faith, work, and life. I'm your host, Jane Kennedy. Let's get down to business. Adele, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so, so excited to chat with you um, and to record it so that everyone
1: can hear this conversation because I you're know. Just, yeah. Such a I'm of too. Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course, of course. Okay, so before we get started, would you mind just giving a brief introduction to kind of who you are, what your life looks like, um, so that people can get to know you a little better?
1: Sure. So um, I'm married and have eight kids, ranging from 16 down to two months, almost three months. Um, so we live in Virginia. I stay home with my kids, um, which I've been doing ever since I had my first which was right after I graduated from Harvard. So I was seven months pregnant when I graduated and immediately stayed home. Um, That has not been entirely uniform. We moved um, from Boston back to DC, out to California, back to Virginia. So we've sort of been all over the place. Um, And I've been through kind of the newborn stage, having a bunch of little kids, now having older and younger kids. I've homeschooled some of them now, all of them, but the baby are in some sort of school. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. I I really love um, finding uh, Catholic women and sort of building that community of faith which I've found at my parish here and uh, also on Instagram through social media where I share our family life on um, my page, which is simple life musings. So I'm really excited to be here with you. Yes, it's so funny.
0: So Adele and I were introduced by a mutual friend and then but before we had ever met, we met at this we were both at this gala, this very in our very glamorous lives we were at a gala together. <laughs> <laughs> and I went up to her and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I know you like I met you through this person and I could not figure out why you had looked so familiar And it took me hours and hours to finally realize that I follow you and your beautiful family on Instagram. <laughs> oh my and- gosh And I was so like cute. I don't
1: I don't know who this girl is and I don't think I'm who she thinks. I no. am, but yeah. she's really cute. So oh. <laughs> I was like, we should be friends. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, I'm glad you were so patient with me being incredibly creepy. But I truly like for the past few years, I've really had that like intention of if I see someone who I recognize or I like have met at some point to always say hi, because it makes people feel really good when you like, remember you've seen them, um, and you were the unfortunate, uh, recipient of a very long (laughs) process of figuring out how you. Oh, but
1: it was so funny because we were literally going to be meeting for coffee the next day because a mutual friend had tried to connect us. And so it was one of those Holy spirit moments that was just so crazy how on earth, I mean, we bumped into each other and then also you had this intuition of thinking, I know that person, you know? Um, so then it was lovely because then we, we did meet for coffee the next day.
0: Yes. It was so great. It was so great. Um, anyway, It was hilarious, but yes. So, I mean, yeah, your life is, is so beautiful and looks so different from mine. And I think looks a lot different from, I mean, people listening to this podcast, we have everyone from moms who have, you know, four little kids, some moms who have grown up kids, um, lots of people who are newly married, lots of people who are single engaged. um, And so I just thought that it would be really good to have a conversation with someone who is, you know, in, in the thick of it, Um, you know, you have a 16 year old, you have the most beautiful little baby. Um, and so, yeah, I just am excited to talk to you about kind of what your life looks like. And especially some of the, some of the habits that you formed maybe before marriage, um, as well as the kind of way that you balance, um, your faith and, and everything that you have on your plate, which is, you know, beautifully, very full, um, now. So yeah, just to start before that. So, Um, can we go back to before, you know, when you were early married, when you were preparing to get married, kind of what do you think the habits or practices were that you kind of cultivated at that time that have set up a strong foundation for you?
1: So it's funny you ask that because I feel like in our case, we actually did not really cultivate a lot of the habits before we were (laughs) married. So Ben and I got married very young. I was 20. It was the day before my 21st birthday and he was 21. Um, and so a lot of it, we had to learn in the early years of our marriage in the first decade of our marriage. I mean, honestly, it, it kind of took us a long time to, so I love this question because I think if you're in a position where you do have the frame of mind to start cultivating some of these habits, it's a tremendous gift to your marriage. And I When I'm talking to my kids about it, I always like, you know, they'll, they'll point out things like, well, well, you and dad hadn't figured this out yet. Or, you know, um, like for example, when my husband and I got married, he was Protestant and he uh, entered the church when we were expecting our second daughter. But so it's, it's not that I would recommend that to everybody kind of by the grace of God we've arrived where we're at. And so, so I have been thinking about this, about your question of what habits are, to cultivate before you're married. And the one that I kept coming back to was a mastery of emotions. So I think part of that is just, um, I heard this beautiful quote from Thomas Aquinas that we convince our passions through repetition of right actions. So kind of the idea that like our emotions, our passions are um, these really strong things that we experience And we still have to sort of repeat the right actions that we know to be true and good. So in other words, you know, when you're feeling kind of like excited or sorrowful or nervous or fearful, like all these different things, um, just that discipline of right action. So, and that can mean a lot of different things based on your state in life, based on your job, who you're surrounded with. Um, But just that idea that like you might be feeling really, really overwhelmed in a moment. That's something that I hear a lot from moms of younger kids that you're feeling like really stressed out and overwhelmed. And the work before you is still like slicing the apples for your two-year-old, you know, sort of like, or your four-year-old, whatever. How, how do you um, kind of cultivate that discipline of continuing with the right path? Um, so that, I think the other thing that came to mind for me was bringing, your highest ideals to ordinary work, regardless of what that work is. And in particular, your most mundane, ordinary work. Um, so that if you're going for a walk, if you are preparing a meal for a friend, if you're, you know, even like taking a bath, sort of what are your high ideals and how are you bringing them to that moment? The The way that I've seen this manifest in modern culture I've I've seen this trend of sort of romanticizing things like romanticizing your dinner prep or like romanticizing your house cleaning and I think there actually is something really good and beautiful about that insofar as just recognizing the goodness and dignity of these small things that we do um which becomes really important when like if you do become a mother um a lot more of your life is going to be spent doing those ordinary things. You know, you might not be doing the the lofty work that you once were. It's going to be like very humble Um, things like, you know, cleaning up after your kids, um, working in the garden, things like that. What are your high ideals and how are you bringing them to that ordinary work?
0: I absolutely love that. Um, Yeah. As you were speaking, um, I was reaching for a book that I I think I've referred to in maybe every single podcast for the last like six months, which is abandonment to divine providence. Have you read this? Mm -mm. I don't know if we talked about this, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was this beautiful, I can't quite find it right now, but there was a line I read last night about, um, yeah, it's in the ordinary pieces of our lives and in the ordinary and sometimes the most mundane activities that we're able to most glorify God, because often those are the like little, um, he used like this image of, of stitching a tapestry and how yeah. like worker stitching a tapestry can't see the whole tapestry. Cause you're kind of on the backside of it. Allegedly, this is how tapestries are made. And it's not until you turn it around, you can see like, Oh, this, every little stitch I made. Right. Like, um, and I, I love that idea of I, the highest ideals is so cool. I thought about it for a long time as excellence. And like, I think that there can be such a pressure to like be perfect and to do things perfectly. Um, um, but I've really been trying to kind of reframe that as like excellence. Like what would it be if I like did, did this task with excellence? Or if I, you know, if a boss is asking you to send an email, you're just like, okay, this is annoying. I don't really want to do this, but like, no, how do I do this with excellence? Um, Mm -hmm. And I love that because you're right. Like it, it kind of all folds into like taming the passions and like training yourself in obedience of like the present moment of like, how do I do this? Well, um, because those little things glorify God, uh, mm-hmm. even if we
1: don't quite understand how, you know, I love that you bring up that spiritual text. Cause I feel like in just reading a lot of different like books written by the saints and spiritual writings, this is one of the most consistent themes that you can find through all of them. And um, one saint that comes to mind for me is St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, who we kind of call St. Edith Stein. Um, But she, in her um, kind of pre, um, before she entered Carmel, she was um, academic. She was a phenomenologist and she was brilliant. Like she was a colleague to some of the greatest thinkers in Germany in her time. And then when she did become a nun, she had to give kind of all that up and do the ordinary work of um, things like preparing vegetables in the kitchen. And, you know, just this very, very, there's, there's such a, a strong monastic tradition behind it too, of these two sorts of legs that we stand on of prayer and work. And often that work is super specific and mundane and repetitive. Um, so, or, you know, you think of, um, the other, one of the other Teresa's that we have St. Therese of Lisieux and the the just kind of little things that you can offer to God in your day. Um, so I feel like we have such a robust spiritual canon of works that support this idea of just the ordinary things that we do are so important. And ultimately, even for a lot of the kind of biggest, I don't know, loftiest, most intimidating saints, the things that actually led to their conversion were very ordinary little interactions they might've had with somebody, um, like a kind word, sort of just these very, very tiny little things that um, aren't really lofty or big at all. Mm -hmm.
0: I really love that. Yeah. Um, And I think something you mentioned when you were introducing yourself a little bit was that you had gone on and you did, gra- did you do gra- a graduate program? At I Harvard? did a
1: graduate program in theology. Yep.
0: So what I think is really interesting and something, I mean, I'd love to hear your your thoughts on a bit more is, you know, I have a, I have a lot of friends and know a lot of people who have, you know, achieved like incredible things within their work. Um, and many of whom are now kind of making this decision of like, okay, you know, is God calling me to be at home with my kids? Is he calling me to continue to push forward? And, you know, the Holy Spirit guides different people in different ways. Um, but something I've noticed, and I would love to hear if what your thoughts are, but I think like, clearly there was a, there was a striving for excellence and like a development of a work ethic and a development of a, you know, um, intentionality in how you spent your time and how you wanted to grow and learn. Um, and I just love to hear maybe how you, how you've seen that kind of blossom in your, in your time now, like being with your kids. Um, yeah. yeah I just love to hear some thoughts on that.
1: So I hear that a lot too. And I also see that struggle of kind of trying to figure out, especially for a lot of us. I mean, I grew up in a day and age where girls were told they could be anything they wanted to be, either an astronaut or the president of the United States. It was sort of like, you can be anything, but it's going to be one of these things, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. So it was actually really countercultural and surprising when I stayed home. I think it was also really countercultural and surprising when I got married and had a family. Um, so a lot of us are and especially I think a lot of, like I see in the younger generation, there's a lot of people who haven't even imagined this possibility of staying home, or that's not something that they're prepared for at all. And the thing that I've discovered that's so interesting is how um, the role of motherhood is such an important role because you really are the purveyor of culture. So kind of all of culture, both big and humble. So starting from just the family, family life, sort of deciding what your customs are as a family, deciding which books you're going to read, what you're going to focus on, like that sort of the little family culture types of things. Um, and then as your kids get older, it does become this discourse of, you know, the dinner table becomes the center of really big conversations where you might be talking about things like, um, Aristotle or, you know, kind of debating different political theories or all these things in that regard. I think my only regret is that I didn't have a stronger intellectual moral formation going into it because teenagers, I mean, my teenagers are intelligent. They're also like quick and smart. And I feel like we're always, it's almost like um, we have to continue our study in order to be able to to debate them, you know, um. So, but in in that regard, motherhood is very central for purveying culture. But also in the parish community, which I think for a lot of people is kind of like the next circle, that's also true. There's this incredible social capital that um, women who are at home have for. So, for example, in my parish. I've been a part of a really incredible women's study where we've studied the lives of all these different saints. We've read different books together, um, and to continue that formation. And what I love about it is there's women who are in their eighties and nineties down to women in their twenties. And so just kind of this amazing, um, intellectual, spiritual conversation that we can have with one another. Um, so, but then I think also, for some women, it will be in your workplace, being that purveyor of culture or in our, in the schools that our children go to, in our larger communities, in our neighborhoods. Um, so I think just that role is so important that we tend to look, I think a lot of people look down on staying home with your kids to sort of being like, yeah, maybe you can do that if you can't really figure something out else out to do. Or, um, you know, I think that really is overlooking the importance of that role and kind of the, I don't know, the the great, I, I hesitate to use the word power because I don't think it's really like power in that way, but just the influence of it, the influence of that role.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that sense of purveyor of culture um, and those circles. I actually, when I first moved to DC, it was the first time I was in a Bible study with women of all ages, of women in their 20s all the way up to their 70s. And I remember the first day coming in being like, okay, this is going to be weird. Like I'm used to just being in it with my girls. And like, I just had had such a different experience, but it's true what you were saying of just like, all of a sudden you have this exposure to people who are, you know, decades ahead of you in life and have this wisdom. And like, there's kind of this, I don't know, that's such an incredible space to be. And I think as women, especially having people around you, you can look forward into, you know, those next steps and like, you can hear their wisdom. And, um, that's so beautiful. And also just like that idea of purveyor of culture. I love that. And I also love so much how you tied that back to, you know, where you are in your state of life. Right. Because we see that, like I'm leading an advent group at my office over the next month, because all of these people in our Christians group, have never really done Advent before. And so they were like, does anybody want to lead like an Advent thing? And I was like, I will. (laughs) And so it's been so cool to kind of share this this tradition that we have as Catholics with people who've never really seen it and are like have a desire to live more liturgically. Um, But I think that so much of that is kind of having your eyes open to those opportunities for where like there is a space for you to come and to be that light of faith um, in places where maybe it's not necessarily like
1: there naturally or maybe like that popular, you know? Yes, yeah. I love that. That actually um so I've just been looking through um the read of God, I think is the name <laughs> of the book by The Read of God. Yeah, so that's actually a really good Advent okay. read right there by um is it Carolyn House Carol Houselander? House Lander.
0: Yeah. Um, I
1: think the, um, Abiding Together women are doing it for for this advent. They're doing it's, like a book it's on it too. Such an amazing Advent read. Um, and, but what I love in that book is she talks about how in the Bible, we don't really have a very specific image of Mary. So we don't know what she looks like. We don't know how she dresses. We don't know what her home is like, and that's not on accident. That's intentional because if we had all of these details fleshed out about who Mary specifically was, we would think that only a person of a certain temperament or a certain personality or a certain, you know, like. of habits would be a christ bearer and ultimately all of us are called to that and there we need to sort of have this receptivity about what that looks like in a particular situation so um i just think that's so beautiful to say like even the way that your advent group was formed um to be kind of listening to these prompts to be open and receptive to what in our family community you know particular state how we can be bearing christ in that moment And it's going to change not only on like whether you're married or not married, but I think just based on our seasons of life, based on um, maybe what you're going through or who you're surrounded with. You know, there's all of these um, various prompts in our life that we as women um, are receptive to that we can listen to the Holy Spirit's promptings in those in those different ways.
0: Yeah. And that is like the most Marian way to live, right? Being receptive to the the Holy Spirit's prompting. That's, you know, who Mary was. Um, And I love that you said that because I think for a long time, the vast majority of my life, I like could not connect to Mary in any way because I was like, she's gentle, she's quiet, she's meek, and I'm loud. And like, I get really excited about things. And I just felt like She was untouchable in that way. And it wasn't until I think in my prayer, the Lord just started to really invite me to get to know Mary. And I started to pray the rosary and, um, the read of God was a huge, you know, eye opening experience because it really was just like this invitation to know her more. Um, I love that. And I think, okay. As you're talking about this purveyor of culture, something else I really wanted to talk to you about is beauty. Um, and this is something we've talked about a bit on this podcast in the past, because I think that it is, I think there's such an attack on beauty right now and in our culture and in our world on like what true beauty is. Um, and this is something that you, I think you just radiate beauty, you radiate beauty in how you live. Um, your Instagram is like, I think just like such a beautiful, um, image of beauty in the world of what it looks like to have a family that, you know, gathers together and is united and, um yeah, I just love to talk a little bit about beauty. Um, and you know, maybe how you see beauty as a path to God, um, or in ways that maybe beauty has drawn you closer to him.
1: So I think that beauty always draws us in. There's just something very captivating about beauty. Um, and that can be in music or artwork or somebody that you encounter. Um, there is this beautiful, I mean, we have this beautiful understanding, uh, in the Catholic tradition of beauty leading to goodness and goodness leading to truth and sort of this progression that like maybe a beautiful and I, I feel the person I think of is um bishop Bishop Robert Barron um has written so and spoken so eloquently. Um, and he's a great art lover too. But when you see something beautiful, there's there's just this way that it captivates you and you stop what you're doing to take it in. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, what, what is beautiful? I mean, Aquinas writes about it. He has three criteria for beauty. Um, and those are unity, proportion, and clarity are the three things. Um, and I think you can see that in, in artwork, but you would also just see it in sort of like, okay, I have an example from my life. So there was, I was at, um, mass and there was a woman it was an older woman who was at I just kept seeing her at mass and she just was radiant there was something about her that was super beautiful and I saw her at uh there was like a community theater event and I saw her there and I just kind of wanted to know who she was and sort of there was like the sense of of it just drawing me in there was something not not just physical but just very kind of spiritual emotional it was very beautiful about her and um I then didn't see her for a long time I so I kind of introduced myself didn't see her for a long time and this summer and fall her and a really good friend of hers have been walking going for these walks in the evening through our neighborhood and I first saw her because her and her friend just kind of stopped in front of our house and just turned and were kind of just standing in front of it looking at our house for like like a couple minutes sort of thing. And I was like, Oh, like who, and I was like, I think I know her. I think I've seen her before at mass. And, um, but they, they will do this through their whole walk. They will just sort of stop and take a look at like a flower or a butterfly and just stand there for a few minutes and have this wonder of taking it in. Um, so my girls and I, we basically became obsessed with these ladies. They were like the best thing that, I mean, we would look forward to seeing them going on their walks. We still look forward to seeing them going for their walks in the neighborhood because first of all, they were just walking. There was something very beautiful about their friendship, that they were walking together and also just their wonder. Um, so we've kind of struck up this friendship with them and it turns out that they're both artists. Like one of them moved from California. They're just these really beautiful, lovely, faithful women. Um, But it was... Kind of that sense of like the beauty drawing us in into something deeper and then once you kind of get to know what that deeper thing is it it always will lead to truth which is where we will find god so um it might be that like for in this particular case i think that the goodness that we really saw from that beauty was that sense of wonder and delight was so captivating so interesting um and then that really leads to this truth that god is great you know, that God is great and present in these little things around us that we would just drive right by normally, like we're not going on these hour long walks where we're marveling. Um, so I think you see that anytime that you see that beauty is it kind of pulls you in um into this deeper truth.
0: I love that. And I love that sense of wonder. I think that there's just like I love going for walks, but I get, I distract myself so much and I'll like listen to a podcast or call a friend, um, or even pray a rosary, which is great, but it's like still yeah. kind of pulling me out of just walking and enjoying. Um, and I have this tree outside my window that I'm obsessed with and, um, it's beautiful and yellow and all the leaves are falling off of it now. And I've just been like, every morning I sit here and pray and I'm like, God, don't take my leaves away yet. Please don't take my <laughs> away. I'll show you when we're done recording, but anyway, almost all the leaves are gone and it's kind of just become this, um, this gift of just like, you know, I think that if my window didn't look at this exact tree, like I would never be able to appreciate its beauty, but because I'm staring at it every day, like it's greeting me when I wake up, I was home for Thanksgiving. I got back and I was like, the first thing I wanted to see was how my tree was doing <laughs> like, but it's just, I think the Lord is so intentional with like the beauty that he gives us in the world. And it is so tempting to just kind of like run past all those things because we're distractible or we're not like able to like, I don't know, meditate on them um, and slow down. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is such an invitation to like truly appreciate the beauty that's, that's naturally given to us, you know, right, Um,
1: which can be really hard. Right. And I think ultimately it also comes back to this fact that we're created in the image of God. That there's this tremendous beauty, this indwelling of beauty within each person, which, you know, I, I don't know, we lose sight of that. You know, I think all of us, um, both by by sin, by you know, there's just all, all of these ways that that we totally lose sight of that. Um, so I think that that's part of what this, like, when when we when you brought up beauty you were saying that, um, there's a war on beauty, you know, there's kind of like this. And, and I think that's a big part of it is that we're so uncomfortable with recognizing that tremendous dignity and worthiness that was bestowed on each of us being created in the image of God.
0: Yeah. And I think just the temptation of comparison, right? Like when you're, when you're comparing yourself against someone, um, like you're unable then to appreciate the beauty of another person, mm-hmm. or like CSO has said it so well. He said you've never met a mere mortal. Like every person we meet, um, has a soul, like created by God and created lovingly and in beauty. And I think like coming to appreciate beauty and coming, I think to be like more confident in my own beauty and like how God has created me has allowed me to now be so much more captivated by the beauty of other people. Because instead of looking at them and being like, oh, like I wish I like was taller or I wish I looked more like this or whatever. Like I can actually be like, wow, like that is just like, that person is captivating and is beautiful. Um, and appreciate that without it becoming kind of this, like turning it back on myself. I'm like, okay, well, how would I measure up to that person? You know?
1: I will say motherhood also is this incredible lens just because like I have eight children, they're all different. They are, you know, incredibly unique. They their interests, their, the way they look, all these different things, except for I do have a set of identical twins. So they, <laughs> they look pretty similar, but even to me, they're, they're totally unique. Um, and as a mother, you just love them so much. You see how beautiful each of them are, you know, it just kind of, um, and I think that that also makes you think about like, how am I talking about myself? How am I talking about people around me? You know, cause if you're, if you have that sort of comparison and, or like self-loathing, then that's something that they pick up on really quickly, you know? Um, So just that sense of like, yes, we are striving towards virtue. Yes. We are always examining ourselves and repenting of our sins. And yes, at the same time we were created in the image of God and there is something very good and beautiful about each of us.
0: Yeah. I love that. And it's so true. It's just the way that we speak and people pick up on that. And I think like, again, in your role as a mother and in my role as like a friend to the people around me, like the way that I speak about myself, people hear that. And it's a witness to, I mean, a couple of weeks ago I was at this event and, um, or I had a situation where I had two individual people at two different things turn to me and say like, wow, I've never heard you complain this much. Like you're like, I really, this is so interesting. Like I've never seen you complain this much. And then it happened again, like a day later. And I just, I took it straight to prayer. And I was like, God, I'm so sorry. Like, but there's i think that there becomes an expectation of like okay good i don't want you i want you to think i am a person who doesn't complain and so that when i am complaining i want you to call me out on that you know and i want you to say this feels like it's not you um and they weren't like catholic friends they were you know friends i work with and like it just was it was so humbling to see that because i was like okay good i've set an example of a person who's like grateful and present And you're noticing something is off. And I'm sure your kids, you know, are like incredibly sanctifying to you in the same way of like being like, mom, what are you doing? You know,
1: marriage also is very sanctifying in that way where you, I love that though, just that ability to examine yourself and also that trust that you have with your friends that they can um, correct you in that sort of way. Cause I think that's a really good habit to cultivate before you're married um, because yeah, there's there's something that like you are gonna see the ugliest parts of your spouse, and you also are one another's path to heaven. So mm-hmm. kind of how, um, but yeah, shoot, motherhood, being married, that has been very sanctifying, and just every every little habit and vice that you have is going to be laid bare. You know, like, and it might be in the middle of the night when you're caring for a newborn baby. It might be when you're like dealing with teenagers. I don't know. Everybody kind of, it comes out in different ways, but there is a way that it's going to come out. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. And kind of in that kind of vein of talking about marriage, like, do you think that when you look at your husband, do you think there are certain like traits or characteristics that maybe you saw when you were dating or you saw an early marriage that now you're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't realize how important this was going to be, you know, 16, 17 years later, right? Like, were were there any things now that you look back on? You're like, praise God that
1: I like chose this man. Oh yes. Every single day, all the time. I think it's, I mean, the single most important decision I've ever made in my life, but we were, so Ben and I met in high school, we were kids. We were um, in 10th grade humanities class together. We sat next to each other in humanities class. Um, So we've known each other for a long time. And, um, but I've always had a tremendous respect for him. Um, and that, I mean, just very, this is so high schooly, but I noticed really early on that Ben never cursed. And this is like, you know, how high schoolers they'll throw around curse words as a way of sort of showing that they're grown up, you know, and I just noticed that he had this self-restraint. I never heard him curse. And so just little things like that kind of be small, which is a habit, you know, which is this way of, um, so I think that just, kind of that mastery of yourself of being able to say like, this is just not who I am. This is not what I'm going to do. Um, so, so, and that's very much who he is. Um, so I'm trying to think of other little, like he always, um, I, I think it's a really great gauge of, um, a, a potential spouse to see them interact with kids. Um, not even if they're not kid people, but there's a way like kids will kind of, put you in these difficult situations where they might say something that's really rude or they might jump on you and interfere with your personal space. So like, how is this person dealing with these like little inconveniences or these, um, you know, things that adults are way too socially aware to ever do just to see that. And also delight, you know, do they like delight in that situation? Um, so we, we were fortunate. Ben has a bunch of nieces and nephews that were, um, really little when we were dating. And um, so just seeing him interact with them, I think that was a real, like seeing him in- interact in a way that was different than when we were just hanging out with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, you know, that uh, things people say about like honesty, integrity, also humility is to me, one of the most foundational virtues that you could find in a person. Um, So there's this really, have you ever read the book, The Art of Living by Dietrich von Hildebrand? No. So put that on your list. It's a great, great book. Um, But he talks about the um, kind of foundational virtue as being what he calls reverence. But reverence, the way he defines it is the ability to see something that is true and conform, recognize it and conform your life to it. So Mm -hmm. that idea of like, you know, maybe you're like living in a certain way or doing certain things and then you like see something that's true. Perhaps it's from a witness of somebody or interact with a family member or whatever, reading something, all these different ways that God can reveal himself to us. But then your ability to recognize that and then your willingness to conform your life to it. And and to me, like humility is so central to that act of being able to say, I wasn't doing it right. You know, And, and I think that that really, seeing Ben go from like a teenager to, um, a husband to a father and seeing him grow in wisdom and virtue, I think was really based on his reverence, which was made was possible because of his humility to say, you know, like even growing in family life, like what does it look like to be a leader, a spiritual leader of our family? Um, like these are the ways that I'd like to do that or even I mean as a spouse that's also a treasure because when you're a stay-at-home mom I think that your like husband's like love for you and also desire to see you thrive is so important so his like encouragement of me to have these intellectual um pursuits or things like instagram or you know all these different things his his support for me knowing that that's something that that's something that god is calling me to um is so important and really is possible because of his like reverence which is like ability to recognize god in these ways and then his willingness to conform to it i love that that's
0: so good i i definitely want to read that book um yeah. I think that's beautiful. And I think also just like, yeah, you can see someone's character and like those little things. It's like, goes all the way back to the top of our conversation, which is like, you know, the way you do little things, the way you do small things is how you, you know, ultimately do everything. Um, yeah. kind of the care with which you're giving the little things in life or like the little duties God's giving you, like ultimately inform how you're going to respond when things are harder, or when you're handling, like, you know, pick your things. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that's so beautiful. Um, so kind of talking a little bit about, you know, your role and, you know, praying with your kids, I'm sure like it looks different to pray with like little, little kids and with your older kids. And then you obviously, you know, want to maintain your own relationship with the Lord, which is really important. Um, I know a lot of people who listen and a lot of people will kind of reach out and have some issues with prayer and are just like, I just don't have the time. Like I can kind of pray like maybe once a week or, you know, but people who do desire to pray a bit more who still struggle with like, how do I fit this into my life? How do I fit this into my schedule? Um, And so, you know, coming from, from you who again, have a very full plate, you know, have there been any practices that have been helpful for you in maintaining a consistent prayer life and then
1: passing that to your kids? So, especially if you're busy, if you're in a busy state of life. So if you um, have a lot going on, I think this is great for motherhood. I think the morning offering is kind of a secret to beginning of prayer life, because when you get up in the morning and maybe even before you've gotten out of bed, offer all of your prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of the day, then there's a way that all of that becomes a prayer. Um, so I think that is really foundational to a plan of life just to make that morning offering, because then when you're getting ready, when you're in also, I think there's a way that like, when I make my morning offering, like, you know, how sometimes you wake up in the morning and you just feel a little bit sour, like you're kind of like, like, oh man, I have to get up or like, oh, just kind of thinking about all the stuff you have to do. There's a way, way that instantly it reframes that, um, as something that's really good, you know, that you can like get up and, and have these opportunities for growth and do these things and offer them to the Lord. Um, so I think that is, I wish I had started making a morning offering a lot earlier but I feel like that's a really great start. Um also um I love going to mass. I feel like it just every day that I go to mass is better. It feels like that is such a beautiful central point to your day. Um so I think that that is and and also I feel like I can really 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 pray even if I have little kids, maybe, you know, even if I'm like holding a squirming toddler, I feel like at mass, there's this really beautiful depth to our prayer being in the presence of Jesus Christ. Um, and then bare bones, I'm talking like super kind of rudimentary prayer. I would say also making an examination of conscience at night, because then there's this way of kind of prayerfully acknowledging the times that we've failed and repenting for them but then also just offering that to the lord offering like our disappointments of the day or our trials or our struggles so um i feel like that's a super bare bones kind of plan of life um but then with kids there is like i also love the rosary um i also often pray the rosary when i'm walking i'm not going on these like wonder walks where i'm taking in the delights of nature um but I feel like that's also just a super, I, when I grew up praying the rosary, um, I'm convinced it carried me through just like our lady's protection of me carried me through so many different things in my life. Um, but I just love the richness of that prayer. Um, thinking about the, um, you know, it's spoken prayer, It's also meditative prayer. It's like contemplative prayer. Um, Also, we like bring our intentions to that prayer. So there's just, it feels like this incredibly rich prayer that we can, like, it can just be saying the rosary, you know, like you can just kind of be like saying the words. It can also have this like incredible contemplative depth. Um, And it really, I just, it's such a, um, the rosary is such a gift to us. It encompasses such a full range of our emotions and life experiences. That's also something that's so beautiful about it, that we, um, like when you're feeling really sorrowful, you will be met in your sorrow, in the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary, you know, you can, um, and like our, our greatest joys, all of these things. It's just, um, so I, I really love the rosary. Um, but, but one thing I was going to say about prayer, um, is that, I'd love to hear your take on this, um, is I think it's really good for us to, um, stop discounting prayer. If we don't feel this mountaintop experience when we're praying. Um, so we, it's, it's amazing when we have that mountaintop experience and, you know, um, maybe you're in a state of life where you can really like take that, take an hour first thing in the morning and just like be with Jesus and do all your devotions as like motherhood is much more um, consuming of your time, sort of from like the time that you wake to the time you go to sleep. So it's going to be like, those moments are going to be fewer and far between. Um, And I think that they they are super beautiful. They're a gift whenever they happen, but ultimately it's always going to be about like translating that mountaintop experience to a concrete action, um, in our lives. There's a, um, say John Henry Newman has this, um, well, it's a book of his compiled sermons called, um, parochial and plain sermons. Um, and there's a sermon that's entitled the religious use of excited feelings. And in it, he really talks about these kind of ecstatic, uh, close to Jesus moments that we might have in prayer. Um, and, what he says, like, that's great. You know, like that is beautiful. And that certainly God is present in that Jesus is present in that, but that feeling is going to fade. So ultimately the good that comes from that, the good that's intended from that is some sort of concrete resolution that you can make in your life. Um, so, you know, it could be being, giving a, like greeting your spouse with a smile when he comes home from work, or it could be like, not, uh, losing your temper with your kids when you're doing your home their homework with them, whatever it is, like that sort of concrete thing. So, um, so in that sense, like, I think prayer also, it's good for us to kind of be available to God in prayer, even when we're not feeling it, when we're not having that sort of like mountaintop experience.
0: I love what you just said. And I totally agree, um, especially when it comes to, to prayer i've been in just like the most gorgeous season of prayer for the past couple months and i saw my spiritual director last week (laughs) we're like sitting and talking and i was like father i know it's gonna end and i never wanted to end (laughs) and he's like you don't have to be upset about it ending in the future if it's like still you know if the lord's still giving you that grace of consolation which is you know as we know such a gift um but yeah, I I really I think though that the reason I'm in this season now is because I have been um just so convicted about daily mass and praying in front of the Eucharist, like so convicted of going to daily mass every single day. Um, and whether I can get to adoration or even if it's just me sitting in um in front of a tabernacle, like just being in the presence of Jesus has it's become a, it's become such a habit that like, I like desire it. Like I woke up this morning and was like, okay, where can I find adoration today? Like, where can I like go? And just like that desire and that longing to be with the Lord is such a gift. And I also know though, that it's like not always that way. Um, but I think a huge reason, a a huge, um, it's one of those things where the more that you do it, the more that desire is there. And I think especially with mass, like there are many days when I go and I'm so distracted, all of a sudden I'm like going up for communion and I'm like, what happened? What was the reading? Like I, you know, you just, you're just there, especially if I go after work, right. I have an entire day of stuff swirling in my head. I'm sure you have similar things where you're thinking about all these things going on. And, um, but I just like know that the Lord, like delights in having me there and that he works with what I give him. Um, and there are days there are mornings when i don't have enough you know as much time to pray and i just i love the morning offering um i've been praying like an abbreviated morning and evening prayer um mm-hmm. for the past few months and i think i really want to do that for advent um yeah. because the intentionality of like the first thing i'm doing today is prayer and yeah. the last thing i'm doing today is prayer it's not mm-hmm. like watching youtube videos or staying up really late talking on the phone or you know s- An email for work. Like the last, the first and the last thing are are with the Lord, which is kind of what you said around like morning morning and examine.
1: Yeah, and I didn't really touch upon um, praying with kids and with your spouse. Oh yes, like those are too. Yeah, so I mean, I think with um, with kids, um, there are I feel like kind of there's a bit of a family plan of life as far as um, you know praying together. um, Well like teaching your kids a morning offering, which can be very, very simple. You know, it can be like a very abbreviated thing for them, but then also praying together at dinner, uh, praying together at bedtime, those kind of like simple touch points with your kids. And then also there's just something good about them being around the liturgy of the church um, in a way that it's, it's funny. Cause I feel like you know, having a lot of Protestant friends, um, they're so good at like, well, well, they have kind of like children's church and they have all these like, you know, very age appropriate things, special songs, different. And I'm like, yeah, we don't, we don't really do that stuff. Like we have them with us in mass. um, But there is, and I think it's something that I used to resent being sort of like, well, where is the nursery that I drop these kids off at? Like, I want to go to mass by myself. There's no nursery, but um, there's something so beautiful and good about them being There And the truth is that the beauty of the liturgy invites them in to an understanding that is at their age, you know, and it can be something very simple, like um, just the whole blessing with holy water, that's something that we do at home with our kids, um, and that act of like making the sign of the cross of holy water as you're entering into the church, kind of that physical nature of it. Um, and also just like our kids really, I think, recognize that the beauty and goodness, like they, they ask us to do that because they feel the protection of God as they sleep, you know? Um, so, or like the, the beauty of the, like walking around and showing your kids the, the stained glass or, um, kind of seeing i think there's something very beautiful about a child seeing that their mom and dad are like really praying in the pew after receiving the Eucharist you know that they're kind of like just seeing you seeing that you're not paying attention to them you're not looking around that you're really praying i think is something that like kids observe and really see the like beauty of that moment so um so yeah i think that the um like exposing them to the liturgy of the church is something that really does form them over time. And like, yes, by all means, talk to them about it too. And, you know, in your family life, like that's where you have the opportunity to be their primary educator in the faith, but, um, but just the goodness of them like coming and, you know, like um, the, the Easter, the Holy week octave, like just kind of like go to all the stuff, like go to as many of those things as you can with your kids, because it is just the most riveting drama they will ever encounter to see that um like descent into death you know and then oh gosh it's just such a powerful we actually started doing that pretty I mean maybe like six or seven years ago um we started taking the kids to to like holy week you know we did holy week as a family and that was just really powerful and much more formative I think than if we had been reading just children's books to them or something like that you know um and then praying with your spouse, you know, that's a whole other, um, like having some sort of regular prayer that you do together. Um, I feel like that actually might be the hardest one for parents just because you're, you're so busy, like maybe you're, you know, trying to get all the stuff done before bedtime. Um, yeah, I feel like it could be something as simple as, um, like, uh, a recited prayer together. But I, I find that for us, that's the hardest one to really regularly um, just cultivate that habit.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that I, I I can speak from my own like formation and experience. Like I think as a, as a kid, I was just so curious. Right. And I just wanted to know so many things. And I asked so many questions. And I think what's so cool about the Catholic faith, especially to someone who's young and just a sponge, is that like there is you can never. Like learn it all, right? And I think, as a kid, like learning about the Saints was really cool because all of a sudden, you're hearing about these amazing people like Joan of Arc and you know, uh, Saint Ignatius and all these people who had these adventures, right and God worked in their lives um in such specific ways and as a kid, like adventure is just so interesting. and then, um, yeah, being being exposed to like I think what is holy like I think every single person has a um has that pull to the holy and one of the things that I've started doing recently is bringing people to adoration who aren't Catholic or, you know, whatever. If people are open to coming, I'll bring them with me. And I used to bring like a bunch of little booklets and like little prayer cards and things like to entertain them. Like they were toddlers, right? Cause I'm like, they'll, they're will they just gonna get bored and they're gonna get mad at me for bringing them. And what's been so cool is without fail, every single one of them, is just like them and Jesus. And I'll like look over and they're like on their knees looking at the Lord and you're just like, okay, like, this is not about me. This had nothing to do with me. Like I did bring a stack of books, but like they didn't need it, right? Because the Lord is speaking to them in that. And um, I think every one of us has that desire for the holy and like that we we recognize it when we see it. And, you know, any friend I've brought to the mass is just like, this is just so reverent. And this is just mm-hmm. so, um, it's the beauty, right?
1: It's the beauty, it draws you in. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk to you about friendship. I like, <laughs> I, yeah, because I feel like that was, um, like when you mentioned that that was something that that we could talk about, i I feel like, um it, it made what what you just said about bringing friends to adoration made me think of it just kind of the, but the importance of friendship also, the tremendous lack of friendship in our world. It's so lonely. I think that there's just, I mean, yeah, i I see so much loneliness. Um so, and in motherhood, I think also there's, you know, like different, challenges to finding friendship but I think also just being like you just moved to DC you know like in all these different stages of life there are challenges to friendship so can I ask you a question (laughs) sure (laughs) (laughs) so how do you find friendship when you're like moving around going different places how do you cultivate friendship um
0: yeah I've moved a lot of times recently I think that um Honestly, what I have learned is most effective is praying for friends. Um, it's praying for friends and then it's going to the things that like I want to go to. So for example, I I, yeah, I got here three months ago and like my best friends here are a few people I met at my run club that I just started going to every single week consistently. Um, and then friends I've met at church that like, um, and not even at church, but like I went on a retreat pretty early on to being here, like a domestic institute, Dominican retreat And I just started meeting great people who, like, were interested in the same things as me and, like, we just kind of hit it off. But um, I do think it's hard to make friendships or to make friends. And I think that even sometimes within Catholic circles, it can be really hard because um, lots of different kinds of people are Catholic. You know, we are a universal church. And so just because you share a faith with someone doesn't necessarily mean that, like, they're going to be your best friend. Um, And so I've learned to be patient with that and just kind of continue to show up, continue to invite people to things. Um, but yeah, I would say the most effective way I've made friends is just like praying like, God, please bring me friends. Like, please just introduce me to people and, you know, I'll meet someone. And then I always like, will follow up. Like I'll ask them like on a little coffee date and be like, Hey, I know we met at this thing. Like, do you want to go get coffee? And, um, yes. Yeah. I'd say that's my scattered answer to how I've been trying to make friends, which is long. That's really good.
1: Yeah. I, um, so the first time that we really moved somewhere that we didn't know anybody was probably when to moved to California mm-hmm. and I was so lonely and same thing as you every night I just prayed for one friend and I, I really wanted a friend who was like a true friend you know just there's kind of like those levels of friendship and maybe you just like have some like you do the same activities with somebody or maybe you like help each other out but but kind of that true friend um and um it was like a cup. I mean in a course of a few weeks Um, there was a mom who I had kept seeing at pickup at the school and in that same sort of way was sort of like, Oh, who is she? Like, I I would love to talk to her. And we were both riding bikes home from school with our kids. And I, by nature, am not a super outgoing person. Like I am probably not the person who's going to like flag somebody down and be like, Hey. Um, and for some reason, the Holy spirit prompted me to basically do that to her to just be like, Hey, do you do you want to come over for a snack or something? It was like the most awkward introduction ever. Ah. Um. So guess who that person was?
0: Was it Julia?
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> it was oh our mutual God. friend Julia, and she ended up being this like really dear friend. It's, it's like still um somebody we just love so much. Um, and ended up being a really true friend, um, too in these many ways. So I feel like God does answer answer those prayers. Um, but then also like I love what you say about um kind of doing the work of showing up, but then also of like following up, inviting these people, because I feel like everywhere you go, there are a lot of people present there who crave friendship and maybe also are not finding it, you know? So like, even whether it's um, like being the person who's like, Hey, we should do like an Advent study together at church or being the one who likes, you know, um, gets moms together at the playground or whatever, kind of like, finding those ways to connect with people and then showing up. Um, but, but yeah, sometimes, you know what though, I feel like sometimes in motherhood, you do end up like, don't, don't write off the friend that you might not have a lot in common with that you keep seeing at soccer practice or whatever, because that also is a really valuable thing. And you might like, that be might be a friendship that gets you through like a stage and, you know, it might blossom into something else too. So I feel like I've also learned to be like, sometimes those friendships of, um, I don't know. What is, I feel like there's all these categories. Is it um, Aristotle's categories of friendship? So it's, what is it? It's like utility.
0: um, uh, Convenience, convenience.
1: convenience, That's the one. Yeah. 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 Convenience, utility, and then virtue are the three. Yes. So like sometimes the friendships of convenience, those are also good. Those, those are also fine. Um, So I don't know that that'll sometimes get you through a stage where you just kind of want to hang out with some, some people who are doing the stuff that you're doing.
0: Yeah. I literally just did an episode, maybe three episodes ago on friendship or transitions or something. And I talked a little bit about how like, I, one of the big lessons I've learned is that like, it's, it's sometimes it's better to be lonely than to like, try to make a friendship work with the wrong kinds of people. Mm. And that's a lesson I learned, I think through my early 20s of being like, oh, wow. Like, I just don't want to be alone on a Friday night. Mm. You're like in these situations where you're just like having to compromise values and things. And then yeah. that I'm just like, okay, no, but, um, but God sees it. And he like totally rewards those things. And, um, and yeah, I mean, even moving back to DC, I was like to anyone who would listen, I'm like, I'm going back to DC. Like if you guys have any like good friends there that, you know, uh, you could connect me with, I'd love that. And, um, yeah, I think that's how Julia connected you and I, when I was coming back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, God hears those prayers and I think he like really loves to answer them because every time I've moved, I'm like, God, I'll never meet people who were as great as the people where I just left. And then like, there's just so many amazing people who just like bring something different to, you know, your life and a new perspective. And, um, it's been super cool. I think the bummer is now I have like friends who live in all different places. I know you're in the same boat where you like friends everywhere, but, yeah. um, but it's a gift when you are able to like see them. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's beautiful
1: yeah, no, I agree. I do think that motherhood because it's just so intense. That's something that I hear a lot from people is is like the loneliness, you know, that being so I think being friends with your spouse is also great. yeah, you know? like I, yeah, I don't know why I feel like sometimes you get pushback for saying that because people kind of have this very romantic ideal of like like your your husband is your lover and that like friendship kind of, but but ultimately, I have seen it so many times in couples who I admire, um, who are ahead of us, just that friendship does carry you through so many different things. And like, ultimately your family is the unit that you're going to be traveling through life with. So
0: yeah. yeah. Gosh, I hope your spouse is your friend,
1: right? Like seeing the, <laughs> the traits that you'd like to see in a friend with your spouse, that it's somebody that you just really like enjoy, like have a lot of fun being with too, you know? Like, yeah.
0: Totally. I and love that. Else. Um. Okay. I know we've been chatting for a while, but I just have a couple more questions. Um. Okay. So something I'd love to hear your thoughts on, Um. you know, I think we talked about this a little bit with, in terms of your choices and like raising your kids and seeing people making different choices. Um. I feel like the world is like very quick to be like, you're like, this is what women are capable of. And this is what they're not capable of. And I mean, I went to a high school where our motto, it was the Catholic All Girls High School, and our motto was, all of which women is capable. And we would run around with like superhero capes and stuff. And at the time, I was like, this is really cool. And then in years looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, but like, I don't really want to be all of which women is capable. I want to be like all of which God is capable of doing through me, right? Which is like so much more than what just, you know, I think other people want to tell us like women are capable of. So, you know, how have you seen kind of God has he given you some new insights into like what women are capable of kind of through your role like as a wife, as a mother, you know, as a friend, like what does that look
1: like for you? So, I love thinking about and reading about this topic. Um one of my favorite books is Essays on Women by Edith Stein, by St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross. Um which is such an interesting book to read because um like she she was a phenomenologist, so that's a type, basically a type of philosopher. It's a fancy way of saying a type of philosopher who studies, um, kind of what define, how you define different things. So, uh the, like a phenomenologist would look at it, basically say, so like, what is a table? Like, is it that it has a flat surface? Is it that it has has legs? Pope John Paul II was also a phenomenologist, so it's kind of that type of branch of um philosophy. And so, um, she loved to think about what womanhood is what femininity is Um, and she had this really interesting life where her father died when she was really young and she was raised by a single mom who took over the lumber business and so kind of seeing that as the primary influence in her life and she had all these older sisters and then she herself ended up becoming an academic um, and was really brilliant wrote books and then ended up shocking everyone by becoming Catholic she was Jewish she was raised Jewish and became Catholic and then she ended up entering the convent um, and had this this other life kind of hidden life in there so um, when she writes about like what what constitutes being a woman, she has these beautiful categories that I feel like are true and also broad enough that they can encompass. So things like, we have talked about receptivity, that idea of being able to, um, also this desire for unity is something that's very, like, I think partly because women, like she has this beautiful quote that's like, um, a woman's soul is a shelter in which multiple souls unfold, mm-hmm. uh, which is so beautiful, both from thinking about motherhood physically, that we like shelter, human life within our body, but you see that gift. You, it's so true to womanhood. You see that in the workplace, you see that in groups of friends that sort of this sheltering souls to unfold. Um, so that category of, um, like she has a beautiful way of taking physical womanhood. So what does it mean to physically be a woman? And then saying, what does that then mean spiritually and emotionally in our lives? Um, so Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that that I try to. It's funny. I feel like I've been called to be an expert in girls and women because I have seven daughters and one son. So I'm like, God was like, "Yes, you. You are the one who's going to be like around girls your whole life." But um, I think the the challenge as a mother is also to kind of see and cultivate that in each daughter that you have, and it's going to look really differently based on what I mean. I my daughters are like I daughters who have all different interests, total different temperaments, different personalities. Um, So kind of what does that, um, what does that look like? How do we cultivate it? Um, So, so yeah, that just the, I mean, I don't know. I just love, I love being a woman. I love being around women. I kind of love that. Um, I'm trying to think of the other categories she talks about. Um, But yeah, I think there is a certain, um kind of regard for the dignity of the person like we we sort of seek to like protect or kind of keep things intact um i guess the corollary in men would be that men are sort of like view their bodies as pretty being pretty dispensable that they're kind of like these like soldiers for a cause they're like i'll put it all out there put my life on the line um and i i see that to be um kind of this regard for the like well-being and dignity of those around us. Um, I've seen that play out professionally for women, you know, that a lot of times they're the ones who are the unifiers and connectors in the workplace or so, certainly socially. I think even in terms of the, the careers that women seek out often tend to be the ones where they're able to connect people. Um, so, um, So yeah, I guess that, I don't know if that answers your question.
0: Yeah, it totally does. Thinking of you and your daughters, I'm sure you've had this moment, but um, I'm a big fan of little women. And so you basically have almost two little women's because you have, (laughs) Um, and yeah, and that's another thing I love about little women, the story and, um. I, I'm obsessed with the more recent film. Um, but yeah, it's just like you see these four, four girls who are just like the Lord has like lit their soul on fire with something unique, right? And they're raised in the same family and they all have like it's the fem- it's the epitome of the feminine genius, right? Of like yeah. how much you can be as a woman. And I think there's always like yeah, it's just whenever we're in these situations where they're like, you can do this or you can't do that, or you must do this, or you must do that. It's like, no, like we're so brilliantly unique. And that's just like such a gift of our um of the Lord, knowing like who we are and what, what he needs from us, you know, to bring into the world. And I just like, I love that. And I think you do that so beautifully and in the way that like, he's called you and you've been so like, um, receptive to that. And I just, it's so beautiful to see that. And very like, um, I think encouraging for me and hopefully for everyone listening, just encouraging to see like what the Lord can do, you know, in in our lives.
1: So I saw that the most recent little women movie with a bunch of my daughters. And so it's so it like, we love to talk about like, which, which one are you, you know, are you a Joe? Are you a Beth? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think also the lives of the saints are kind of cool in that regard. in that we can look at all of these different examples of holiness, which are so different one from the next, you know, that, and looking at all of these holy women and saying like they're. their day-to-day lives were so drastically different from one another. And, um, like they still found their path to holiness through like whatever vocation they had, whatever. Um, so I think that's a, a really tremendous gift that we have as Catholic women is the communion of saints.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Even like, as you mentioned, Carol Houselander, like she did incredible work and she was like a spiritual mother, but she was never, you know, a mother. And then Edith Stein was a, was, you know, a nun and you just have, yeah, I just love it. I, I think it's so good. And I could continue talking to you forever, but at a certain point, um, you know, we do have to return to our, um, our roles and, and the things we're doing. But, um, one last question for you would love to hear what is working for you lately, like books, songs, prayers, what's, what's been working.
1: Okay, so um I just finished a book that I loved I don't know if I was telling you about this over coffee the other day um but it's called it's not the sort of book that I would normally read because it's it's like kind of long and slow but it's uh, the betrothed by Alexander Manzani I think is how you say it he's like an Italian um and it's the story of this couple in Italy who basically, they're betrothed and they're supposed to get married and their marriage gets derailed. And then it's kind of this whole physical journey um, where they're trying to get back to one another. I'm not going to say what happens at the end because, but it was, um, what I loved about it is it's, um, it's set in Italy. And I mean, just this beautiful integration of the Catholic faith into daily life in a way that's, really beautiful um and also dramatic. I mean it's set like there's like a plague that comes, you know, all of this drama, but um it's not the sort of book that I normally would like and I loved it. Um so another um a song, this is not a song I've been listening to, but um sometimes sitting down when we're gathering together for family dinner, everybody is rowdy and energetic and like transitioning from whatever activities they were doing to being together. And we have recently brought back a tradition that we had for a long time when our kids were little, which is when we first gathered together around the dinner table, we sing Dona Nobis Pacham. Oh, and then like, we'll say grace and then begin the meal. And we have just started doing it in the last like week or two again, after a break of not having done it for maybe even a couple of years. And there is something so beautiful and centering and it changes the mood of dinner so much when we do it. And now it's great. Cause we have, enough older singers that we can like do harmonies we can do a round, oh, you know, all these. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I have loved that. And I feel like it's a real uh, vehicle of peace to a time that might otherwise be chaotic. Um, you know, what else I've gotten into uh, recently is um, sourdough baking. I'm just working on, I, I want to become a really good sourdough baker. So um, Ben got really into it during COVID and he like, perfected it and he doesn't have time for it anymore. Um, but so I got, um, some sourdough starter from one of my girlfriends and almost killed it immediately, like within the first week, basically killed it. And then I've like nursed it back to health. And, um, so every day, basically my resolution is just to make bread every day until I get really good at it. So yeah, (laughs) but I kind of, I like the just discipline of it. That's sort of like you get up in the morning, you like measure your stuff, you mix it. So I have a, I guess people do it differently, but I have it rise during the day. And then I bake it like before dinner so we can have bread with dinner. So, um, but I want to make it beautiful. I feel like people make their bread so beautiful. And, um, so yeah. How about you?
0: Oh gosh. Um, well, I was going to say that just goes back to doing things to the highest ideals. Like the bread Mm -hmm. can't just taste, good; it wants to, we want it to be pretty too. Um, (laughs) really, um, resonate with, um, what has been working? I think like we kind of talked about this, but I just think like prayer, like going to going into a church. And I live in D.C., so I have like throw a rock, hit a Catholic church like they're every Jesus is all around me, which is so good. Um, but it's just been interesting because usually, yeah, I go in with supplies and I've just been going in recently and just like letting God kind of go where he wants to go. And that's been really good and something you said that I will probably take to prayer today later today is like you're like oh what's the concrete resolution and I think what's been sweet is like there haven't been that many concrete like there's there's things I'll get like you know um convicted about but like yeah like god like this time is so beautiful and so good but like you know where do you want to take it um so I'm excited to kind of get back to prayer and and move with that but yeah it's been good and especially when it gets to the holidays like being able to take some time to like get to quiet um when things are so busy has been good.
1: Mm, I love, I'm so ready for Advent. I love Advent so much, you know, like, oh man, it's the best.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, Adele, this was such a gift. Thank you for giving us all this time. And um, yeah, I just, I know that lots of people will be blessed from hearing this and from hearing from you. And um, yeah, I'm just really grateful for you. So thank you.
1: Thank you. This was delightful. It feels like we're just getting coffee together. I
0: know, which we need to do again. Um, (laughs) Yes, yes. Yes, you can come back anytime i have you on okay. it. I feel like we have many things we could continue to talk
1: about. Uh, uh, thank you so much. You're a gift. Oh, thank you.
0: you so much for joining us for another episode of the Sunday Monday show if you liked it if you enjoyed it if you learned something we would be so appreciative if you shared it with a friend shoot it in a text post it on social media whatever you want to do sharing these episodes helps more people find them and while you're doing that if you could rate and review these episodes that would also be so appreciated if you're looking for more, you can follow us on Instagram at the Sunday Monday underscore or visit us online at www.thesundaymonday.co where we have tons of articles and free resources designed to help you be bold in your faith, work, and life. Until next time, thanks so much for being here. Get back to work. I love you all. Bye.